The Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast is presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook by using promo code RTRS. Welcome, friend, to the 10-year anniversary Ricky. Ricky X, on July 10th, 2013, the Rights to Ricky Sanchez was born with an episode titled, The Sixers Get Young and Handsome. They are no longer young. We are no longer young, but here we are on today's special Ricky X. We will play back some old moments, talk about them, reminisce with a special guest. Also, Mike has put together a top 10 list of players that we disagreed the most about. Can't wait. I hope, well, I'm not even going to tease it. Is the Dion Waiters ever? Anyway, okay, here we go. Before we get going, we do have 10 year anniversary gear, Ricky X gear. There is a long sleeve t shirt uh, with the, there it is say the name on it and they're not dead yet and the dancing bears and the skull with 10 years and rights Ricky Sanchez on the sleeves and there are about 80 prints left of the 250 prints that Abby did with 48 different Ricky and Sixers um, uh, references on it if you go to kineticskateboarding.com and just search rights Ricky Sanchez they'll both pop up if you're watching live CJ if you could put the link in the chat to get that stuff Without any further ado, Amos and the chef. Welcome to the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. Ricky X, I am Spike Eskin, along with a guy who started the podcast just out of college, and now he is on a on a freight train heading toward middle age. That is one Mike Levin. We're here, baby. Here we are. We're on strike. We're using skin protection. We're, we're wearing big dumb hats. Yep. As good as we came in. Yep. We're going out. <laughs> Do you actually... I feel like before I ask you any question, uh, we're going to play a lot of old audio Mm. and Mike has not heard any of the audio because it was obviously scrubbed from the internet to edit it. I had to find the audio. Some of this, I I bet the there's it's skewed in me looking stupid in that direction. Nope. 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 It's gotta be a hundred percent. CJ backed me up. (laughs) CJ smiling. He knows Spike told me not to listen. I did not said not because I was going to screw you on anything. Just I'm getting hosed here. (laughs) All right. Here is a clip from, from the very first rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast, July 10th, 2013. Oh boy. Do you know, every time we start this, I want to say the curse of Ricky Sanchez. It's uh, the, the rights to Ricky Sanchez, Mike Levin, I'm Spike Eskin, 
Now, Mike, I don't know if you took it upon myself to try to find an appropriate song to start and end the podcast with. And there was a song by Dana Barros while he was a Sixer on a CD called Basketball's Best Kept Secret. It was a bunch of NBA players rapping. And most of it was terrible. But the Dana Barrows song, I remember being pretty good. So I decided on the Dana Barrows song. That was beautiful. I think it was like 94, which would mean you what? Like like two years old at that time? I was born in 89. Okay. So well, you were really like five. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I just graduated high school. Wow. Holy moly. Well, do you want to get out of the way uh, how tired you are? Yeah. Pretty tired, Spike. Did a nice little 17 hours of work yesterday. Got out at around two-ish. And uh, then you woke me up. Yeah. So, uh, That's what I'm here for. So 10 years later, you're still tired doing the podcast. No, I'm, I'm, look, it's 4.30 for me. I'm, I'm fired up. I'm ready to go now. But yeah, that was, I think, six in the morning. Yeah. So for me. we would do it. I would go to work at that time at WIP. And for the first probably couple years you were on the phone definitely on the phone definitely living in an apartment in santa monica with andrew sharp yep um i would have been still an assistant on how i met your mother yep um i had not met Alyssa yet life was different <laughs> do you do you remember at all the decision to no do it no people have asked us when they've done the like little articles about us over the years Many of whom, many of which weirdly have been in like Jewish magazines. <laughs> um, <laughs> but anytime people talk about it like that, they'll be like, how'd it start? And I was like, I don't know. We just started doing it. Well, I remember. We definitely didn't plan for, you know. 10 years. Local podcast supremacy <laughs> for as long as we've been doing it. The... I remember you wrote an article and yeah, said something is, on, on Liberty Ballers and yeah. said something disparaging about my father. That's right. And I would that, write it again. Yeah. <laughs> the, I, have a, I have something to say. I don't think I should. You know what? I'm going to say it now. I was going to wait until later. I've been meaning to tell you this for a long time. My mom has been asking, did you tell Spike this yet? Have you talked to him about it? Spike, my Aunt Selma, who's actually my great Aunt Selma, okay, who is my mom's mom's uh brother's wife okay so my mom's aunt through marriage okay is cousins with howard's mom so we are related are related through <laughs> marriage is that true it's it's true my aunt my aunt selma found out that i do this podcast with you she's quite old yeah uh does that make us like cousins removed or something? I don't know. No, how I think many works. through marriage, many removed. Yeah. So it finally comes out. I think most, especially East Coast Jews are pretty closely. Some you're going to find a connection eventually. <laughs> wow. But here we Stunning. are. Stunning. On the 10 year anniversary, I break it out. We're related. We're related. This Holy whole time. shit. Huge. What a huge, a, news. a huge story. Huge news. So if you'll remember, those Sixers started three and oh, it was the beginning of the process so the Sixers had traded Drew Holiday. Weeks before. What's that? Mere weeks before. Mere weeks before. And this was after the Sixers, I think were three and one. This was the pod that we were doing. I was so giddy that I didn't even, even I think we both went through and, and sort of tried to take a reasonable look at what was going on. 
but I didn't even want to. I didn't want to look reasonably at it. I didn't want to see how it affected lottery chances. Yeah. It, it was so much fun. I just enjoyed it so much that I, I really I didn't care. Like I didn't care about what it meant for Wiggins and what it meant for our percentages uh, at the end. It's just whatever, you know. If the Sixers could go zero and eighty-two and get the fourth pick in the draft, yeah, or they can go thirty and fifty-two and get the first pick. So I I don't think it's worth, especially early on in the season really sweating wins. We've yeah. come a long way. Too good. They yeah, were too good. Too good. At that point. Wiggins. And we didn't have to sweat the wins because they lost quite a few games. Yeah. Every time sure. you hear play a clip, I'm just like cringing at the, like, am I going to say something so dumb that I regret right now? But I, this, that's fine. It was three and one. We were feeling it. Sharp was so pissed at me that I was, that I was as excited about the wins or the losses as I was at the time. Everything yeah. was good. I Only remember, hope. I remember when they when they beat when they beat the Heat. I was actually on WIP that night at 10 p.m. and the Sixers were at a place in Philly where you didn't really talk about the Sixers on the radio because nobody gave a shit. Like the no. process was not a thing yet. It was yeah. happening, but people weren't arguing about it. Yeah. So I, I was preparing to talk about the Eagles or something, and the Sixers won that game, and I had to completely change course and talk about the Sixers being too good. So before we get, I, I want to finish up uh, first season. Well, no, I have two more from first season, but I want to get to this one first because this actually happened right before this season. People always ask us, are you ever going to get Sam Hinkie on the podcast? Sam Hinkie was on the podcast. And if you'll remember correctly, he was on the phone on his way to the airport, I think to go overseas yeah, to, to watch someone. Mm-hmm. And Mike Preston, who was the PR guy at the time, actually offered us Hinky. We didn't, this is how different things were. They were like, these guys who are doing a podcast that 300 people listen to are the only people that care. Let's have Hinky on. So that podcast is in our feed. He was on for half hour, 40 minutes or whatever. But there was one moment in the podcast that sticks out in my memory. And I wonder if you remember the moment. I'll play it, but I wonder if you think you know what moment I'm going to play. I have to. I have to. Okay, here it goes. Now, Tony Roden's a guy in the draft, and um, you know he, he he was picked in a reasonable place, sort of in the in the latter part of the first round, and he went to a to a really really solid Memphis team, and he didn't play. And we should have all expected that. I expected that that he wouldn't play. The team was really good, and he wasn't um, a perfect fit for them as a 19 year old rookie. So we should have. Oh no. <laughs> He's gone. He's gone. It just like that. Sam Hinkie vanished into space. I'm gonna yeah. hang up I'm gonna hang up the phone in case he calls back. Okay. All right, bye. Hello. We're all happy and together again. I was gonna say he like- jumped on the flight to Spain already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was like the gong show, like boring answer. We're done. We're no, on. no, it sounds, sounds more like the iPhone show more than the, the gong show. I imagine <laughs> the phone drops out in the middle of the interview and I'd leave it in the pod. It was such a horrifying moment. That was very scary. That was very scary. <laughs> so we that got was, him back. It was a fun interview to my recollection. Mm-hmm. 
I remember him saying, I remember asking him if Spencer Hawes was the best three-point shooting center in the NBA. And he said, Sam, Sam, every time he has a a way of not answering a question, but making it sound like he's answering the question. That's right. Yeah. He won't, he's not a definitive guy. No, not at all. Daryl's a little bit more definitive. Yes. Still not very, but Sam is even less. Yeah. Sam... Not even, and he'll speak in a definitive tone, but not be definitive. At one point, you weren't there for it. They set up a breakfast at a diner. I think it was the Penrose Diner in Philadelphia with Sam. And it was me, Bodner. I can't remember who else was there at the time. It was, who else would like the blog boys at the time who would have been doing that? Ian I Phil- mean, yeah, I mean, probably if this was like 2014 or something like that. Yeah, Gons might have been there for 700 level. No. Uh, could have been, you know, what's his Max name? Rappaport, maybe? I doubt it. He would have been no, working for yet. the Sixers at that point, I think. Yeah, no. Uh, John Finger, maybe? Maybe, yeah. Oh, Jesus, John Finger. Who, what, D- what was D- that? D-Line him, maybe? No, because it was only blog boys. It wasn't, there was nobody official. Okay. Hmm. So before we get to the well, we outlasted them all <laughs> and the liberty ballers coaching tree yep yeah the liberty ballers coaching tree pretty impressive i think you know who so pavorsky fisher bodner hoffman mm-hmm. um mike bauman mm-hmm. roy burton mm-hmm. dave and kyle, tanner dave and tanner kyle what did kyle kyle wrote yeah. kyle newbeck kyle jake sean yeah. John O'Connor. Fucking everybody. Justin. So, who? Justin F. He's oh, out there. Justin F. I forgot about Sohill. Yep. Sohill was out there. I'm going to forget some. Bauman, you said. Yep. The workout guy, of course. Your, your, your friend, your favorite guy. <laughs> What's his name? Jordan. Jordan Sams. Right. Yeah. So before we get to more clips, the only current Sixers thing I wanted to make sure that we brought up was, Mike, I think you'd agree that so far the offseason has driven everybody crazy, right? Made everybody mad. Pretty Wesley much. Wesley Share, I'm adding. Wesley Share, right? Michael right, Connor was never a Liberty Ballers guy, was he? I don't think so, no. No. Not for me. Right. Some no. people like came out of the woodwork all of a sudden on Twitter. I was like, who, where's this, where have these people been? And, Zainab, and he, I, if Zainab had been around during Liberty Ballers, I would have been like, absolutely get in there. There's, there were, it was a different time. It was early Twitter. Now we're in late Twitter. <laughs> we're all still here. We're still here. I, you can't kill me. The, the offseason has been pretty disappointing so far. Somehow. That? What's that? Why would you say that? <laughs> I feel like it's been good. Somehow. We've gotten younger and more athletic. Yeah. Just like I asked. But somehow, you know, we were doing a pod on Saturday morning, which was when Paul Reed signed the offer sheet. And somehow, by re-signing their backup center, Paul Reed, the Sixers seem to have thrown water. Daryl Morey seems to have calmed everyone down. Yeah, It, it might have been the biggest freak out yeah. in the last three years. Yeah. If the Sixers might, had let Paul Reed go. It, it just would have been such, such a, a no-win situation. Yeah. Because all that would have been left would have been what whatever happens in a 
Hardner Tobias trade, which looks like at this point, nothing will happen. They will stay. Mm -hmm. And then the idea of potentially getting free agents next offseason once everybody else leaves except for basically Joel. And to just have nothing and to go like, hey, how about nothing? (laughs) Does nothing sound good? Nothing could be interesting. Could get a lot of stuff in those holes that nothing left. Like, it would be really, really rough. And Bebo Paul is young. He is growing and getting better. His max vert is skyrocketing (laughs) every every year. Another 50 inches. He's obviously delightful and extremely unique as a player and a person. Um, I loved Maxi tweeting that he wanted a hoodie. (laughs) For free. For free. And Bebal offering it to everybody, which I do think is a bad business decision. Um, it, well, it was, I, and they let it go really long too. They really let it go down to the wire. Now we don't know. We haven't heard why that is. I there think might be a reason. Be annoying. I think it was just to be annoying. With I, annoying to us or annoying to Danny Ainge? Maybe both. Okay. Well, we, definitely accomplished one. We for sure, for sure. One was of those was accomplished. Absolutely. But uh, I'm thrilled he's back. He's obviously good. He's obviously the best backup center Joel has ever had. And he's, and a, with a coach that is willing to try stuff, as he said, as Nick Nurse said on the Tyrese Maxey podcast, willing to try stuff during the season. Maxey's response was like, I've never had a coach that's willing to try stuff. Second time so far this offseason. Yeah, two, one of the two guys in a row. Jaden Springer yeah. said it. Now Tyrese Maxey being like, huh, trying stuff. Seeing if it works. If it doesn't work, you go away from it. That's interesting. Maybe just and he and he said being a little bit more creative and a little more um, spontaneous and not as predictable on the offensive end. So I'm excited about all that and B-ball playing, possibly playing at the four. Like I've been saying, I've been like the preeminent like defender of he could probably pay at the floor at the four, especially if Embiid gets more threes off. B-ball did shoot forty percent from three on the G League. Um, I'm excited about it. I think this team needed length. This team needed... He's a good offensive rebounder. He obviously is switchable defensively. There's the great quote from Paul on the live show on Live Ricky 5. 5? Yeah, it was Paul. Um, where I tell him that I don't want anyone to... Don't help. Don't send any help when he's on an island against a point guard. And he says the great quote of, that's what I'm saying in my head. And the crowd goes wild. It was great. He's the best... He's really good. I'm excited to see a coach that is willing to not only put up with his weirdness, but like activate it. Um, and I'm happy he's here. We did ask him about his new contract at Live Ricky Five, and then this is what happened. Yeah, you nailed it. Restricted free agent this offseason. How much do you need to get paid per year <laughs> to officially be out of the mud once and for all? Uh, Just a number. <laughs> That's a good question. I'm gonna let my. We'll get your age. We'll ask your age. I don't know if I can answer that. Okay. That's smart. I, I'll That's answer it. That's good. Bebo Paul needs eight million dollars a year. At least. At least. Okay. okay. That sounds good. I mean, come on. That sounds good. We gave like Amir Johnson twelve. Yeah. <laughs> he was dead. He was dead. We gave him a lot. There we go. Well, I, I think we deserve a free hoodie too. I, honestly, he should not give anybody free hoodies until they win the first round of the playoffs and the second two years of the contract become guaranteed. That's true. Yeah. That is true. I mean, it's, it's, it is nice 
I'm I'm happy for him to be here all three of those years. I don't yeah. think it's a big deal for them to not have to trade him during the season nah. because they will need him. Um, and if things don't work out, either they don't make the first round or don't make it out of the first round this year, or they do, and then the offseason, some things happen. Like he's still young enough where that's a very tradable contract this offseason if you have to do it. Uh, to get like a big couple pieces in there. I don't want it to happen, but it's it's doable. It's just there weren't enough reasons to say no to this deal. He's young. He's improving. He takes up not that much of the salary cap as it keeps going up. Um, and I'm happy for him that like probably this means like assuming the Sixers don't collapse in the playoffs so early. Not saying they won't do it, but they won't. Maybe they won't do it so early. Uh, he he'll get three years, twenty three million, which for the fifty eighth pick in the draft, like that kicks ass, and I love him, and I'm really happy for the guy. Before we get to the rest, and we were of, right, and it's like I, yes. I haven't said that in a while. Like I, yeah, but we were we were definitely like I feel like we willed this to being yeah. true. Doc right? really didn't want to play him at all, and the no. players didn't want a lot of them didn't want to play with him, and he's just like has talent and innate ability. Um. And I want. I hope he's catching a lot of lobs all summer long. I don't want him to be working on step back threes as, as fun as I think it is. I would you like for him to be kids. catching lobs. Um, but it's it is he's going to be a helpful player. Whether the team, you know, it's not his fault if the team fucking sucks. But would, it definitely would have been Daryl's fault if they had to trot out another parade of ancient uh, friggin' molting down backup centers whose skin and limbs are falling off before their eyes as they try to defend in space. I just imagined all of B-Ball Paul's workout partners being children. Like all of <laughs> these. That's what it is. <laughs> I'm just posting up children. I love it. We have more clips. Before we do, uh, there won't be any like spot, like commercials in the pod, but we wanted to thank our partners, um, sponsors, partners. It, it takes uh, a lot to believe in the pod and these folks do in in a real way so much so that they send like their general stuff you listen to other podcasts everybody reads the script but not for us they let us sort of do it however we want to do it and it's because they believe in us and they care and they're part of the community and honestly so thankful that they've made it possible for us to grow to have cj and au and, and moc abby all that stuff is because they support it so DraftKings sportsbook adam kasabi realtor of the process big barker therapeutic dog beds body bio uh, promo code mike's tummy briggs auction kinetic skateboarding cornblow and cornblow l alpavorsky mortgage cs and stateside vodka and i just want to say thank you i appreciate our our partners quite a bit i think it's rare that a podcast like we know all of them like personally i think it's great um and speaking of kinetic you can get the ricky x gear at okay the you, you cut you cut out a little bit you want to repeat the last five seconds uh, oh did i yeah yeah, you oh, did. Where, where where can we get the Ricky? X? Oh, for kinetic the year ten of the podcast, we still can't figure it out. Fucking that's how? weird. Yeah, kinetic skateboard. You can get take? the Ricky X gear at kinetic skateboard and the long sleeve tee until Sunday. Then it's gone forever. And the Abbey print with forty eight Ricky references only until the two hundred fifty of them are sold out. Kineticskateboard.com. Yeah. Mike, we we did have. Yeah. What do you got there? Did you open something? Uh, Alyssa opened a window. Oh, okay. Um, I don't know if you remember this, but we did have a guest 
our first year, aside from Sam Hankey. We had a gentleman named Eric Snow. I was, gonna say, I was like, was Eric Snow the other guest? Yeah. So at the end of, we had a totally normal interview with Eric Snow, but you oh, might man. remember that Eric was, Snow was famous for one specific thing. I'm going to cringe so hard during this. We, at the end of the interview, we asked Eric Snow about this one specific thing. Before we let you go, we have to ask you about one thing. And I would be remiss if I didn't ask you, and thank you for your time. That moment when you're on the air with Zoom off, did you or did you not fall asleep for a moment? <laughs> That's so funny. You know what? It's not even like close. Like it wasn't even like. No. It wasn't even like, did I take a nap? No, no. It wasn't even like, like it was, it was mind boggling to all of us that it all came out like that. Have you gone like, back and listened to it and see why you could no, think no, no. that? I know exactly why I did it. Why I did it was because it was the last game before the all-star break. We were going through some stuff and I was just rambling and talking and talking and they are, you know, producer was like, and you're still talking a lot today. <laughs> and then Sue started adding in, talking about, yeah, you talking so much. Just now. I said, ah, oh, when I get on the air, you ask me a question. I'm going to just act like I can't hear you. So it was like that. So he said something, and then I just sat there. And he was like, oh, pardon me, what, you sleep or something? And that's what happened. Like, it's amazing. It is absolutely amazing that it took off like that. Absolutely amazing. Do you buy it, Mike? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. But I, I mean, he did a decent job trying to get there. Yeah. Well, he was his, his tone. He sold it. Well, you can tell when somebody's going to lie, when they start off with what had happened was, and I was like, Oh, wait a minute. I know that was a lie. I was nervous asking him the question too. Yeah. I remember that's the nerve. That's why you ended ended on it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in about, excuse me. <clears throat> In about 15 minutes, Amos Lee will join us. Uh, we have a new song from Amos about the pod that we will play. Is that on his album? No, it is not. It is. I wonder how much he's one of these days. He's just going to put it on an album. One of our, our song. Yeah. Hidden track. He's out of his mind. <laughs> and I think he was, will, I think he would do it and alienate the rest of his very large, very yep. dedicated fan base. By putting just our song to on. fuck with. Really fuck with himself, I think, is what it would be. Amos uh, is playing the man with the Philadelphia Orchestra on July 20th when he's on. We have a, a code for you to get a discount on tickets, so we'll do that later. Uh, now, we got through the first season, and then we had truly our first draft season in 2014. And that ended up being the pick that would become Joel Embiid. But before... Joel Embiid. Now you heard us mentioning Andrew Wiggins on on that pod earlier, but before Embiid, and or rather before we drafted Embiid, and after we talked about Wiggins, there was someone else that we thought the Sixers should look into, and one of those guys that I think we thought was a possibility at ten has now become like a realistic top three guy. This guy Blark from Croatia, seven yeah. seven six. It's gone from a situation in which he might be there at 10 or they might take a chance on him at 10 to where I don't know if he's going to even be there at three. Yeah, he might not drop. I could. I don't know if the Cavs will take him at one, but I think he really feels the need in Milwaukee. I don't think he falls to three. It's tough to call because he was you know, such a maybe an unknown prospect just a few weeks ago, but if he falls to three for the Sixers, I think they'll be lucky 
there's a, you just don't get you don't see the kind of talent and versatility from a guy like Blark that this year <laughs> that you you see in any other year. It's he's so unique. Yeah. When people discuss the notion of drafting Embiid, there's the whole does he fit with Noel question, which is a, a legit thing to bring up. <laughs> and you think about a guy that's seven six, and obviously that question comes up again. But yeah. I feel like Blark, there's very little video that we've seen. It's sort of even less than Exum. It's like he's a three. I'm not saying he's a point guard, but he's got an actual handle. He shoots 39, 40% from three on a legit number of attempts. I don't think he's a... No, you can you can slot Blark right into the three. I don't think he, he creates any sort of log jam in the front court with, uh, with Noel. This was the first taste I got of a bit that made people like irritated that I found even funnier when people got a little mad. Look, when you do 10 years of a podcast, <laughs> you got to fill some time. Right. <laughs> and sometimes that means inventing a draft prospect with one name who doesn't have any video footage available to the public. And I think there was a running bit that ended up being true about Dario, which was the like, the reason is because his like government wouldn't release the tapes, I believe, is what it was. And then Dario ended up coming over because of a, the coup in, in Turkey, or at least partially because of the coup in Turkey. Your, your dad being uh, demonstrative that he would never come over. Right. And then saying it only happened because of a coup. Uh, the, I vaguely remember the Sixers, like, it can't be possible that they tweeted out like a, Max Rappaport did. Oh, so Max did it from from yeah. the Sixers Twitter. Yeah, yeah. He, he made a draft prospect profile for Block. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. one name, no tape. I think I can find it. I'll send it to TJ. Or oh yeah, TJ. That'd be great, TJ. I don't know where you go. Um, so then the draft did happen, and the Sixers selected Joel Embiid and Dario Sarge. Here we are, the morning after, and I have to tell you that that first round was probably the most Sam Hinkie long-term deal first round we could have possibly had, right? Yeah, that's what we, we talked Did we talk about that scenario? I feel like we did. We might, I feel like we have to have, because I, I mentioned it in like in real life. I feel like yeah. we all did. So if we didn't, we were, we should have. So let's just give ourselves some credit and yeah. say we called it. <laughs> It was starting early, giving ourselves credit. Do you remember the night that they picked? Do you remember where you were and like what you felt specifically when they felt when they picked Embiid and Sarich? Because remember that night too, they actually picked Alfred Payton. Yep. And MCW was there at the draft reacting yep. kind of strange because it looked like they had just picked a point guard. Yep. And then they ended up trading for Sarich. Do you, I, I actually remember that night specifically. I don't know if you, how well you remember it. It really all blends together. We've been doing this for a very long time. <laughs> what do you remember? You well, tell me. So I was at my South Philly row home with Andrew Porter, who still works for WIP, does the website for WIP and uh, social media, and an intern that we called the Wedge because he worked at a steakhouse where they served wedge salads. I don't remember his name. And they were watching at my house. And all I remember is them making the Embiid pick 
And not that we didn't want him, but the air was sucked out of the room by the, by the fact, by the time they had Embiid and Sarge, because it was the idea that we had, we were all talking about long-term, 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 but then we just went through this season of losing and they picked two guys that weren't going to play that year. Yeah. I had, I remembered I got, um, from a friend who at that time didn't work for an NBA team, but then did. And I think now still does. Um, he had sent me, there's this like sheet that some team had of like injury concerns and like on like a level of like one to five mm-hmm. CJ, you can pull up the block thing as I talk. Uh, this is Max Rappaport sending us the, wow. the Sixers. Uh, side okay, so it was from Max's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Um, but he did work for the Sixers at the time. Yep. Uh, and Embiid had, like, it was one to five of injury concerns, and Embiid was a five. Like, wow. fully the most possible concern anyone could have. And it was, so I, I had seen that, and it was like, people love Embiid, but this thing. And so then it immediately became, once Sixers had him, immediately it was like, well, of course he's going to get healthy. Of course he's going to get healthy for us. And of course, ha- Sam would draft the highest upside player in the draft, uh, which he ended up doing and, and certainly becoming. Um, it was... Doing, the, doing it for Dario as well was a little tough, I think, because I, I, you won a little bit of a... We just want somebody to watch. Some reward. Give me a treat. Yeah. Give me something now. Yeah. Uh, and for both guys to not be there yet was was tough. But look, to Dario is obviously not didn't become a tent pole player anywhere really, but longtime NBA veteran and a, another delightful presence, um, and a delightful presence on the podcast yeah, live, live show. Ricky. Live Ricky. Yeah. Um, and uh, and Embiid is Embiid, man. So it was a. Uh, We've really been through a lot. <laughs> We're only on year <laughs> one and a half of this. And it's just like looking back is it's a lot of mixed feelings for well, sure. One thing we'll, we'll get to is the honestly, when we get to it, the hope <laughs> that you hear in our voices just after the season ends, you know, like the optimism, it just, it's such a, a <laughs> contrast. Yeah. It's different now. It's so, different. You know, Brett Brown later became a friend of the pod, I would say, made an appearance at a live Ricky, was inducted in the Process Hall of Fame, bought everyone beers a lot of times. Then we went down to see him in San Antonio, did his first interview after leaving the Sixers with us before he went to the Spurs. But he also did an interview with us in 2015 on April 4th. And we did give him a jigsaw which we also did on our interview that happened before this season. And this is how it went. You have to choose between two bad scenarios. I give you two scenarios and you will both have to choose between which one you, you would take. Make sense? Yeah. Okay. So am I, am I choosing the one that, that I think is the worst? No, scenario? You, no, you're choosing the, the lesser of two evils. The one that you okay, would choose so in your both life. Bad. I got to choose the best of the worst. Yes. And be yeah. prepared. I apologize. I can't believe to a person of your stature that I'm asking this question, but here it's it goes. All, it's all good. <laughs> I go for it. My wife was horrified by this one. All right. Here are your two choices. For the rest of your life, you have to either A, before every meal you eat, 
you have to pick your nose and eat it. Or the second selection is in one of, of one of your meals during the day, someone else will have picked their nose and put it in your food. You may see wow. it, you may not see it, but it comes from someone else and it's just one meal. So those are your two choices. So one meal, one meal of someone else's nose picking versus every meal of your own nose picking. Correct. Okay. I'm, I'm going to have, you, you, you know how much I hate answering this. You realize, this, right? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> because, you have... because I'm trying to be good spirit <laughs> and, and, and just be with you guys. I will play this game. Yes. Okay? I will is. reluctantly play this game. Know how much <laughs> we appreciate it. How about that? Okay. That's okay. all good. I'm, I'm okay. game. Okay. Uh, I, I will, I will have to go with somebody else's under the assumption that I just didn't know it. That's that's my point. Yes. Wow. Okay. And Mike, I, what do you, I go? Go, you know, I got to go with my own nose. I know what's in there. Yeah. And you, I trust myself. You got some other person's <laughs> nose. You just, that's mystery nose. And I'm not, I'm not about that. There we go. Brett Brown did the jigsaw. Brett Brown and then became the voice of the jigsaw. Yeah. I will play this game. I will, I will play, play this, this game. game. I miss you. I miss you. So before we get to Amos, Amos will be here in five minutes. Uh, I did want to also acknowledge that the podcast has become far more than just Mike and I. Now, in addition to everybody who listens, and we'll talk about that later, we actually have, to much to Daryl Morey's dismay, an entire staff of people that that work with us at the Ricky, which is insane. So our producer, CJ, CJ for the chat, come on the screen. CJ of the chat. There he Born is. Born out of the chat. Yep. Spawned from the chat. 2020. Chat incarnate, CJ. There he is. Andrew Underberger, who writes for us, who I believe has the... Although we are the originators of the podcast, somehow he has the tone and the actual feel of it, I think, better than anybody. And love you. Yeah. I consulted him and our friend Jason Lipschitz on the uh, on the list of most argued. Ah, we'll that's later. good. Well, Jason's a diehard. He's the list. Well, he's the list. Well, and AU is Mr. List. Yes. The list man. AU, I remember, was writing for um, the 700 level. And I think... They were editing him a lot and he didn't do it anymore. And I told him he could write whatever he wanted if he came to us. And that was enough of a sell for him. Sixers Adam, who is our beat reporter. And this year, I believe Sixers Adam has shown such incredible growth and become so much better at what he does. Yeah, we drafted him when he was 15 years old. Yeah. And we gave him like a nine-year rookie contract. Yep. And we're like, he's going to get better. He's going to improve so much. He's Jason Tatum. He's only 19. Uh, and he's the best. I love Sixers Adam. Come yeah. on. He's doing great. I'm so proud of him. And I'm going to be so excited when we lose him to a real publication. He's asking questions. He's, he's yep. getting pulled aside by Pat Bev at, at yep. Pressers. The yep. best. They're the best. Uh, Mike O'Connor, who both Mike O'Connor, trying to think the order of this. No, it was Abby. So then Abby joined us. And Abby does all of the art on the website. So for every post you see a drawing, that is Abby. Totally. Who also pro. did the print, the Ricky X print. Just a sweetheart of a person and really just a super fun artist that I feel like gives us an aesthetic like of our own that nobody else has. And, for sure. And she, Abby doesn't even like basketball. 
Um, I don't think even likes the podcast. So. Neither do I, and neither do I. Yep. And then in the also during the pandemic, along with CJ, Mike O'Connor, who at one point was writing for the Athletic, and has is not only a fantastic basketball writer, but has somehow I feel like gotten better over the time, like more opinionated. He's almost certainly more like ornery. A, yes. <laughs> he's become like a, a Sixers columnist. I love MOC and Zoe who writes the newsletter and the, uh, the corner three newsletter and, uh, it's such a fantastic team of, of folks. And I'm proud to have them. So thank love you. Those guys. Thank you to everybody. Speaking Zoe, of things, Zoe, Zoe, basically Mr. Surfside, Mr. Stateside himself. Yes. Branded as Mr. Surfside. Absolutely. Having a cold one, making the price go up. So before we get to Amos Lee, first of all, do you have that shout out video, CJ, that was sent along? He has. So first we got a a, a congratulations from, um, from somebody else, and then we'll play the song that Amos sent us to intro Amos. So first, the congrats. 10-year anniversary. Congratulations, you still. And let me tell you what time it is. Time to fuck the nanny, get her face tattoo, and move to a land steady for three months before the divorce. Good luck, you two motherfuckers. <laughs> and then we got, I just got a, a, I believe, a text message with this file. So Amos, who has done, with, with the chef, has done two intro songs for the Ricky and an outro song. And this. We were wrong, yo. We were wrong. <laughs> now I gotta change a word to the song. We were wrong. We were wrong, yo. We were wrong. Fucked around and played along all along. We were wrong. We were wrong, yo. We were wrong. Fuck them all, y'all. Let them bang a gong. We were wrong. Fuck them all, y'all. Let them bang a gong. We were wrong. <laughs> Saying the quiet part out loud, as they like to say. One aimless plea. Welcome, my friend. Can you hear me? Yes, we sir. We can hear you. Yes, sir. Fantastic. It's all working. I got dressed up. I thought it was an anniversary show. Classy. <laughs> You did get blazer. You're like wearing a suit and a bolo tie. You look like you're starring in a Johnny Cash biopic or something. I'm I'm from the '90s, dude. Leave me alone. The uh, Amos is doing a show with the Philly Orchestra at the Man. It's next week, July 20th. You can get tickets, and if you go to his his uh, YouTube page, you can hear some things he did with the Philadelphia orchestra and he's going to do the show with the Philly orchestra. I think there's four songs on the YouTube page. Um, if you go to ticketmaster.com in the upper right-hand corner, there is a button that says unlock tap that use code Ricky, get 10 bucks off tickets. So that's next week. That seems like a pretty enormous undertaking actually playing with a full orchestra. You've done it a bunch of times before, right? Yeah, we have. It's it's awesome, actually. Um, it's something I never thought I would do because I have one guitar lesson, but I surround myself with people who are much better than me. So it, it really does work out. The chef, as you were talking about before, like that dude's amazing, man. Like 
he's just taken on this whole new thing of arranging for an entire orchestra. I just watched Tar two nights ago. Did you see that? Oh, sick. Yeah. I haven't <laughs> seen it. Yeah, it's great. Pretty it's, pretty weird uh, movie overall. Time. I mean, Kate Blanchett's incredible. And I'm not you're sure. A, you're, a tar, you're a tar type. Oh no, I'm I'm not a tar type man. I think when I, I think I think that what I learned from being in sports for so long is that being a tar type is very bad. Yeah, you know, for sure. And I th- and I think that it's actually sort of like if you think about how sports is evolving as a very successful championship coach that you are, you, you realize that <laughs> uh, you realize that compliments and praise and like getting people hyped up for what they're doing is better than telling them their entire pieces of shit. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. I remember at one of our live shows, someone came up to me and said that you coached them. Oh yeah. Before. No, I was horrible. I was, and you, terrible, you were tough terrible, and you were terrible. a little bit of a hard was, ass, but see, that's, that's how I was brought up. Like, yeah. I was, I was, but it's nice to hear that you're gr- that growing growth is possible. <laughs> Oh, dude. Doc Rivers, not so much. Well, it's the whole point of all of this. You know, this this life we have, we get moments to really reflect. And I feel like during the pandemic, I had just nothing but time to think and and reflect and and consider how I could be better. And I really took, even though all you really see of me are these fucked up puppet videos, I actually have done a lot of work. (laughs) Nah. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Every time we try to say that, say that, you send us another fucked up puppet video. So what are we supposed to do? I mean, look, man, the puppets in therapy too. So that's important. It's a little bit of a one for them, one for me situation. Yeah, and the puppet yeah, yeah. is for you, and the therapy is for them. <laughs> the you, you know that, you mentioned can you imagine, though, if I showed up to the therapy, I was just Tony on the Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> well, you. So you mentioned during COVID and I was going to play a clip because you and, and Mutlu were on twice during COVID. One of the pods was like an hour and 50 minutes long. Yeah. And touched on a lot of things. And here was a a clip from that. you, You guys did a jigsaw and I think I, I cut a lot of clips. I think it was as Tony and Tommy. And they said, how does it feel to win the ultimate game? And he said, if it's the ultimate game, why are they playing it again next year? So here is your jigsaw question. Uh, Both um, are for the rest of your life. Uh, And I tried to cater the question thinking it would be Tommy and Tony. For the rest of your life, um, either A, you will fart five times a day and the smell is like eight out of ten. Or you will pee eight times a day and the burning sensation is like eight out of 10. Which one do you choose? Yeah, I'll well, let the fart, fart, man, all day, fart. <laughs> I gotta be honest, I do both of those already. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with you, Tommy. Really not that much of a swing for me. Yeah, man, a fart, a farting all day, man. Yeah, I fart 50 times a day sometimes. How about this? I choose both. I like that idea. <laughs> yeah, Tony likes this, man. It's just it's his kind of thing, man. Hey, give me more. I like all of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, so you mentioned, by the way, the fucked up puppet videos and uh, like that, that you do real stuff. Ever in your head, do the two like get crossed? <laughs> How so? Like does, does Tony ever do real stuff? Does Tony like ever do in real the stuff? World? <laughs> no, just uh, like 
Not really. No, no. he mostly sits on the table and chills. <laughs> um, but this this is actually like one of those um, late night talk show anniversary shows. You're bringing up old clips. Yeah, yeah. that's what yeah, we're, we're doing. doing Monkey yeah. punching the guy in the balls. Well, <laughs> I, I, I actually... I, I wrote, it makes me just playing the COVID clip and we're, we're going to play more clips of it later. I, I don't know. It, it was such a tough time and so many, obviously a lot of people get sick. A lot of people died. It was tough for a lot of us, but also I think in a lot of ways, like I think I grew closer to the people that I knew and I had experiences during it. Like doing the podcast during the, uh, during the, 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 like the shutdown and having you guys on for two hours and being able to share those things. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Thinking back to it, 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 every time, every day that passes, all of that feels more meaningful. I think thinking back to that time. Yeah. You guys doing the pod as much as you did was really helpful for me because I, I was pretty disconnected from a lot of stuff. My two favorite musicians died. I was like rewriting all of the programs, you know, like everything was sort of, up in the air and just having familiar voices to people who I think are very smart and kind. And like, I love to listen to was really powerful for me. And I know that when the way we frame this as a basketball podcast, but it is much more than that, especially for the people who listen every week, I don't really give a shit about the Sixers. I'll just be totally honest with you. We'll join the club. They're horrible. Um, but you two guys I care about, and I like listening to you talk. And I love the community that you've built. So all of that was like, okay. And also you had some really cool guests on during COVID. Like I loved um, the litigator. He was cool as shit. Like so oh, yeah. many cool, so many cool people you guys had on during the, during the pod. Doug Mand was awesome. Um, I've sent the shit podcast to a bunch of people. Um, one, one thing you guys should know about touring musicians is everyone has shit their pants on the road everybody really what about on stage on stage i mean it depends on how old you are probably but yeah i mean i'm sure most i've never shit my pants on stage that's interesting you you didn't say it so confident (laughs) yeah you sound like you're (laughs) unsure it sounded a little bit like eric snow saying he didn't fall asleep yeah on the broadcast (laughs) (laughs) there's a lot i don't remember guys there's a lot that's fair well and I imagine like you, you know, you saying that about the pod, it was an interesting time in music too. And I would imagine you going out and doing shows. I, I can only imagine you hear from so many people that how much the music meant and getting to see you again, like it almost created this new, I know the the business and of touring is fucked up and difficult now, but I would imagine seeing people again and getting to interact with them. I imagine you, you hear that people missed it, you know, like you hear about that connection in that time. Yeah. It, it depends though, because like, um, Mount joy is killing it and the yes, pandemic sort of took them from like really good band that has a good following to huge band. So the touring business is, it's very relative. I've been touring for 20 years. So you know, I'm not a new thing. I'm I'm sort of a known entity. I don't really know how to do social media. I'm trying to learn. Um, I went on TikTok the other day and posted a video sideways and was immediately shut down. And <laughs> it was very bad. But 
I did those Instagram live things every week for yeah. charity. That stuff is just great, man, because as a like a songwriter musician person, when you're not on the road, for me, it's like I can spend long periods of time being very isolated. So being able for me for being able to connect with people and to raise money for charities like you guys do is it just gives you an added like connection to the world that helps you go like, all right, I can keep doing this. This is fine. How much do you have to practice within the entire orchestra to like, do you just talk to one person and they tell the orchestra or how does that work? That's the called the conductor. Yes. <laughs> oh, so, yes. Well, I'm not a music you, guy. <laughs> if you see the movie tar. So it's actually pretty complicated. When you go to an orchestra show, like the Philadelphia Orchestra, for one, is one of the best orchestras in the world. Top five, maybe. Yes, I would say yes. I think they probably think that they're the best orchestra in the world, which I have, I can't say. I don't know enough about it, but they're amazing. I went to see them do Beethoven's Ninth um, at the Man in May. It was absolutely spellbinding and incredible. Anybody who's relatively interested in classical music, you should definitely go see the Philly Orchestra. And Mike, at the Hollywood Bowl, the LA Phil does a bunch of cool stuff that I'd really recommend. It's just like a really cool way to see your favorite band play their songs differently. Um, but the way that the mechanics of it work are, it's really a long lead. Like you have to write the charts and get the arrangements done and get the bow markings done and all sorts of fun stuff that gets you to the point of the show, which is the day of a show, which you get two hours to rehearse, maybe three. Wow. And then you play the show. It's really, it's really kind of like a quick, very intense process, but you have to also really, I feel so grateful for it that I'm just like holding on for the ride the whole time because it's just so many people converging in one moment to experiment with music that doesn't really get played a lot. Pop music in a in an orchestra setting is not something that's very common. And yeah. so it's why yeah. these shows are so special so special. You play violin, viola? Either of them? I I barely play guitar, man. I play I I'm learning to play guitar. I don't play violin or viola. I did play recorder when I was young. Okay. That we was all my, <laughs> That was that was my entryway. Yeah, yeah I, I actually yeah. You're I want being. you grabbing a fiddle <laughs> and just sort of high stepping across I the stage. I would love that. Oh my God. Can you imagine me just going like, all right, you know, yeah. rip my shirt off, rip a solo on the fiddle, but it's, that's not going to happen. I'm so honestly, I'm so in awe of all of this music that I'm just a spectator as almost as much as everybody else. When we did the Red Rock show in 2013, I think it was with the, the live Symphony album. Orchestra. Yeah. That the album came it, out. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's it would be like, ah, man, Mike, it would be like you putting on the Sixers uniform. I know you hate the team, but like, <laughs> and getting on the court and hearing, you know, 20,000 people and you just draining like six. And threes. forgetting how to shoot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. no, you'd be draining your threes, man, because everything around you is really working. So it just... It's a powerful experience, man. It's it's really beautiful. I know you you keep dismissing the puppet. Who does? You. 
you keep you're just, just like uh, I, I do just, this puppet thing. Like we don't know that you're fucking also you know good at your other job. I, I was just, just everything. That's I my thing. I'm going to don't you shouldn't. I'm I'm going to play another clip and then I'm going <laughs> to say something about about Tony. Okay. I'm like, yeah, okay, road trip. Let's do it. Get in oh, the van. Lots of mushrooms, lots of weed, pills, <laughs> white stuff, but I ain't going to say what. You know, that weird <laughs> It's good kid. that you're using some discretion now. <laughs> yeah. Just a little. Mm -hmm. And we drive, bro, all through the plains. Winter, beautiful. You know, long ass drive. It's like a week. We left like right around New Year's. Mm -hmm. Get to where we're going. Right. I'm still high as the sky, bro. <laughs> These assholes pull up at the hotel. Where are we at? Uh, Philly. DC. <laughs> January 5th, bro. Oh, no. Amos. Tony, Amos should have stopped you from doing this. <clears throat> January 5th, we roll up. Party. Fucking like the USA. It's crazy out there, bro. Right. I'm like, yeah, what are we doing? There's like old man wearing fucking G.I. Joe outfits and shit. Mm -hmm. People being crazy. I'm like, bro, I'm going back to the hotel, bro. So I go back to the hotel. These Good schools, move. Yo, they all got fucking locked up. <laughs> oh, yep. I heard about that. Trying to fucking shit on people's deaths and shit in the capital. Fucking assholes. Can I just tell you, man, so bad. the Tony, the Tony thing is brilliant. I know you think it's silly, but it is fucking brilliant. The me and Kyrie fucking Coven, which we don't even know if it was Tony or not. We just, yeah. it's just I don't think that I was, uh, I think I'm too young for anything to be defined as counterculture, but I think that Tony is as close as I'm going to get. I, can't, like I think this is I think this is like the village voice in like the <laughs> 70s. I think I think that's that Tony is that for me. I gotta say, man, being the straight man, Mike, you were killing it on that sketch, man. <laughs> yeah. You were really your timing was really good. <laughs> You're like Philly. No. <laughs> I don't know, man. Um, it, it it's it's very, very, very funny. And what you've contributed to the pod over the years, this is a thank you, genuinely. The two yeah. intro songs, the numerous appearances. Putting the, Dana Barros out of work. Putting Dana Barros out of work. Yeah. And like the Tony stuff, it's been, you, you talk about being, not just being a basketball podcast, it's because of things like what you did. And you're an incredibly meaningful part of our, like our community and our, uh, our like whole um, like if we're like this living organism, you are a, an important part of it. Just want to say thank you. I thank think it's you. all brilliant. You know, thank you, thank you. Um, you know, man, you guys are awesome. I love what you do, and I love the way you do it. And I'm happy and proud and honored to be a part of it. You know, I feel like you should be. A, we should be on your Wikipedia page. Why is that not? What's the deal with that? Somebody just needs to put it on there. I have no idea what Wikipedia. There does. needs to be like. A section of like all, oh, alternate, alternate yeah. personality, <laughs> psychosis. 
Uh, I mean, dude, somebody on Ricky needs to just go do it. I don't get give in a there. shit. Yeah, it's huge. Go ahead, please touch touch my page. Um, well, love you, man. I appreciate you, you very much. Um, you guys are awesome. Again, July twentieth. I I'm coming down one way or another. Um, July twentieth, please, please. The Man Center. And how you guys do two podcasts a week about this fucking team is just I don't even the greatest I can't mystery even of all. Fathom. It's unbelievable, and it's still good every week. Mm, most, I, most we'll see we'll see when we get to august <laughs> it's like, an, I'm, like every time i look at the thing it's like an hour and 12 minutes i'm like what the fuck are they talking about i haven't well, even some- really talked about summer league that much i got so much yeah. i'm just backing where i'm backed up on summer league we're gonna let it all out can By i just way. i just make one point about yeah. the team oh. yeah my, my issue with my issue with all of this shit like even in the playoffs and i know that i'm i don't know what the fuck i'm talking about with basketball but you guys talk about the speed of the team a lot. The yeah. issue wasn't the speed. It was just how fucking predictable it was yeah. every single play. And it's like if you watched the Nuggets or even the Heat for that matter, yep. the thing that separated them was they were unpredictable. Yeah. And Jokic particularly is a pretty unpredictable dude, honestly, because it seems like he doesn't give a shit about basketball. And he's just like – wants to go play with horses, but he is, he's totally unpredictable. It's like, Oh, I'm just going to do this dumb thing. And then this weird thing, and it's all going to win. So I think when we get disgusted about the team, it's just the predictability that bothers us more than it is the speed or just like the oldness. Like, first of all, as a 46 year old man, when I hear you guys talk about 32 year olds as old, well, I feel like I may as well just, just dig a hole in the backyard and just go. Just they get play in. pretty old. <laughs> I think the predictability is is definitely a part of it. I think speed goes hand in hand because if someone made a back cut and they were like making the cut like they were in a bus in traffic, yeah. I don't think that that would be unpredictable. <laughs> it would be <laughs> yeah. you gotta be a little bit fast when you're doing that, also. So I think it goes hand in hand, uh, and that they are in there as a roster, as personnel. Yeah. What I'm really interested in is like Nick Nurse is talking about, oh, we're gonna be we're gonna be in your face on defense, and we're gonna be unpredictable on offense. We're gonna be moving and cutting and like getting them on their heels rather than us being on our heels. And like, has he looked at who is under contract? Yeah. Like, how many guys is he expecting to do that? Like, I'm trying to imagine James Harden full court press on defense. I just want to <laughs> see like what's that look like. I how engaged expects- is that going to be? I think he he expects the roster not to look exactly like it is, or okay. he's at least well, if that's the case, then there we go. But uh, some some something's got to give because he can't do Nick Nurse stuff with this this uh, Daryl re- reject offense or uh, personnel. <laughs> uh, Amos tickets Ticketmaster.com. We'll put it in the yeah. description of the pod. If you're just listening to the pod, click on the unlock button. And in the upper right-hand corner of the page of the event, and then type in code Ricky, 10 bucks off. I think that's until this weekend. So 10 bucks off a ticket. The best. We appreciate Appreciate you, buddy. Love you guys. Be well. CJ, take care of yourself. Be careful with Tony. Stop texting him as much. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, man. uh, Amos did mention, or you mentioned, the Amos Wikipedia page. And it has long been bothersome to me that, I'm just going to, our podcast is important. It's a big podcast. The fact that it didn't have its own Wikipedia page 
drove me crazy. So I would like to thank Ricky listener, Greg, for his contributions. But the you can put it up there, CJ. The right to Ricky Sanchez Wikipedia page wow. is there. It has references. It has history. It has, you can scroll there. It has uh, guests, format. It has <laughs> format. impact on Sixers culture. And <laughs> oh, shit. because it's in Wikipedia, that means that any of our listeners, we don't want anybody fucking with it, obviously. But if there are things you'd like to add, references you'd like to add, if there's more guests you'd like to put in there, I'm so excited and thankful to everyone who contributed to the Rights to Ricky Sanchez Wikipedia page. Amazing. It makes me very happy. There's a true smile from you there. You look deeply, happy. I didn't realize this was this was happening. This is uh, deeply stupid. I, I smiled seeing uh, like Zoe and AU and Sixers Adam and yep. and MOC in the in there. CJ's in there. Yeah, I, I, I don't think we need that. No, let's you probably lose. Could probably yeah. lose that part. I found some cuts. <laughs> so, oh, I think we should say it on this podcast. I think it's ten years since CJ was. It says CJ was brought on as the show's primary producer in 2020. Mm-hmm. Guys. Philip and Kristen weren't real. Oh, no! <laughs> they never existed. <laughs> we, we, we made it up. Uh, CJ is real. He's a person. He's been seen. Uh, there was never a Philip and there was never a Kristen. And we started doing it. And then I, thought we, I started feeling pretty bad about it because uh, we were pretending to be them for a little bit. I don't yep. think we really catfished anybody, but I think we probably could have. Uh, but no, they were they were figments of our uh, proposed imagination, oh and uh, and now we once it it became honestly kind of bizarre that now we have a producer and we have staff that we still ha- had pretend people in the past. Wait, there are people in the chat who I thought everybody knew it that they weren't real. No, I don't think we ever said it. There are people in the chat that are stunned. <laughs> I, <laughs> I will say when I joined, uh, Philip Intern was one of the first Ricky affiliated accounts to follow me back on Twitter. <laughs> By so the way, here. not us, not us. We don't run that account. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I was like, I don't know who this person is, but they, they look affiliated. So I'm going <laughs> to follow them back. And- I feel, pre- I felt pretty bad. If we had always stayed at like just me and Spike doing this and pretend then we probably would have kept it up. But now it feels like we were due to say that this that this was never the case. So if anybody so, fell in love with either Kristen or Philip, you did probably fall in love with Spike. Uh, that's important to know. So on back to the clips, uh, I'm so excited. Thank you again, uh, Greg, and everyone who in, helped out on the, the Ricky Wikipedia page. December 7th, 2015, we did a podcast when something... That would change the course of the process forever happened. Welcome to an emergency episode of the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast brought to you by LL Pavorsky Jewelers, where Rights to Ricky Sanchez listeners go and get engaged. 707 Walnut, always at LLPavorsky.com. I'm Spike Eskin with Mike Levin. Uh, the process has uh <laughs> I don't I'm interested know. to see how you finish this sentence. <laughs> yeah. And when when Josh Harris said that they were hiring Jerry Colangelo, I was like stunned. I, I I just I and but Hinky was sitting there. So it wasn't I was stunned. And my first reaction it because I live in this like sheltered process world that I live in, 
was mostly like really positive. I was yeah. like, and it wasn't until later until did, did I start to think like, oh, well, wait a minute. Like this is, I've been through a lot of different emotions, I guess I would say. Yeah, I think at first it was like cool that it's not an immediately bad thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool that Sam was there. I think if Sam wasn't there, then it would be obviously a huge deal. Yeah. I think that would signify an obvious breach in everything. Yeah. Really, that would be like, oh, it's over. And they're just some contract. Basically, the way I look at it is Sam's there, Sam's on board. And if they really, they could have fired him. Like, there's no, they could have just fired him. And that would almost be better for PR if they just fired Hinky because they'd be like, okay, we tried this thing. We still have all these young assets and these picks and stuff, um, but it clearly wasn't working. And we're going to hire a proven guy and we're going to st- start to get better as soon as we can. And that would be, people would be like, yes, finally, Hinky's dumb. But that's why I'm not as negative as I think some of the people are because it's like, well, they could have just fired him. And now this basically, I, I, I tweeted that I think it solidified his position in the organization. Tough. <laughs> but this is, this is a thing that I think, I would say I do this 75% of the time. Talk which yourself is, into stuff. Talk myself into something bad happens and I go like, well, maybe it's not that bad. It's probably going to be fine. And it almost never is. Uh, there was a version where this was okay. Like there was a version where Jerry had just like collected a paycheck mm-hmm. and never showed up and did anything and just like answered the phone occasionally when somebody called. But yeah, obviously this was the beginning of the end and I was in boiling water and didn't realize it. <laughs> uh, then just... Wait, I'm trying to figure out the order of, of operations here. The, hmm. Did I maybe do this in the wrong order? No, when? Jerry Colangelo was around longer than I thought he was, I guess. So then June 25th, 2015, this happened. On the one hand, I feel like part of our job in this podcast is to like sort of make people feel okay, right? Like, isn't that... I feel like people are like, all right, you guys better make me feel better. Well, I don't know if if we can do that. You know, as honest, I don't feel like shit. We have gone above and beyond in making people feel better over the last two years. Above and beyond. Yeah. So much so that when the Sixers took whoever the fuck that was, the first guy in the second round, Guillermo... Hernandez or whoever that guy was. Hernan Gomez. Hernan Gomez. That they showed on TV a bunch of Sixers fans celebrating and shaking each other's hands <laughs> because in the crowd and showing a trust the process t-shirt because of us on some level. So I feel like maybe, maybe, just maybe, and maybe you'll be able to talk me off this ledge. Maybe and I'm not even on the ledge. Maybe we've even gone too far in making people feel okay in that they are so cel- they don't even know why they're celebrating anymore. The host is that Reese Davis. Is he the one that was? Reece, yeah, it's Reese Davis. Yeah. 
every time he said trust the process, he started laughing hysterically. <laughs> well, they really got in on it. Yeah. The picture, the one you posted, they really came close. People, there's someone in like Portland who's <laughs> looking at that and sees right to Ricky Sanchez Liberty Ballers lottery party with a date on it yeah. and just has and picture of Sam Hinkie and ping pong balls has no idea what's happening. Yeah, yeah. It's it's so thanks. I have to thank ESPN for all the, the cover. They still didn't say rights to Ricky Sanchez, but what? No, 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 no. We can't expect that. I was having nightmares about drafting Jaleel Okafor and just keeping Jaleel Okafor. Like even yeah. f- from the very beginning of when we started talking about the draft, my thing was, I don't want Jaleel Okafor. He doesn't seem like a player we would take. There it was. Trust the process born basically to the world in a, but the Sixers draft Jaleel Okafor. Yeah. And then, that was a, that was a bad night. I mean, it was I, a terrible night. Yeah. I think during that podcast, they took JP Tokido. Oh yeah. Toward the end of the draft. And I was like, okay, <laughs> now it's fine. He uh, was your guy for a while. JP Tokido. I just like big athletic wings. What's wrong with that? So, What's wrong with that? We haven't had enough big athletic wings still. 10 years later. So then we're about to get to Mike's top 10 players that we disagree with. But before we do, I think this is a fitting end to the Jerry Colangelo section of the pod. Sam Hinkie notified the organization that he is elected to step down as president of basketball operations and general manager. While we're disappointed in Sam's decision, we'd like to sincerely thank him for his contributions over the last three seasons. There's no question that Sam's work has put us in a very strong position to take advantage of numerous opportunities for an exciting future. So here we are. Yeah. Are you going to talk or me? No, I'm waiting. There you go ahead. I, I don't know, man. It's, uh, it's, it's awful. You know, if you're listening to the podcast, there's a couple, I think, precursors that I want to give. If you're listening to the podcast looking to feel better, you're not gonna. If you're listening to the podcast to uh, hear some measured takes you're not going to get those either you will hear many over dramatic things definitely from me i don't know what you're going to get but i'm uh, uh it's it's always been more it's always been about more than just the team and just like this idea it's that Max, that Max Rappaport article about with with uh, legs in it. Yep. It's it's unfortunate that you can bring in a guy with a vision and shove him out the door when he executes that vision. The birth of Dark Mike. Than the, the day Sam so was. dramatic, so overdramatic. Like, come on! I you're gonna say it. I know you that. I didn't want to do a podcast on that. You did. They fired Hinky, and I I you shouldn't didn't. have. Clearly, I was not <laughs> in a good place. That is a deeply upset individual for a basketball team. Like, grow up a little bit, little guy. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was, but I was right. Like, that's a that's a right one for yeah, sure. For sure, it was definitely, and it was just, yeah. 
Sam has said things that he wishes he had done better. And this is, it wasn't, it was just like, oh, we have a smart organization for the first time in my lifetime. Yeah. And then they bring in Jerry Colangelo. He fires Sam as quickly as he can and then hires his son. And it's like, oh, no, we're a nepotism factory, not a smart organization anymore. And then for years, we weren't a smart organization and we might still not be. We'll find out. <laughs> Who knows? If for, but for a couple years, when they were winning 19, 18, and 10 games in a season, it felt like we were, we were the smart ones for a little. And then, uh, and then that happened. So we've had a lot of disagreements over the years. You know, there's actually a thread on the Ricky Reddit. We we asked for favorite memories, and a lot of people's favorite memories are the fights. Sure. <laughs> but we've disagreed on a lot of players. Yeah. And Mike has put together a list with AU and Jason's help of the top 10 players that we've disagreed with on the Ricky. Yeah. So it's a different art. It's, you know, I tried to vary it. I tried to mm-hmm. get guys from different eras. Yep. I tried to get, obviously, the the most prevailing uh, set of circumstances on this podcast from the beginning is here's a young guy. He probably can't shoot. Mike believes in him. Spike doesn't. It's <laughs> yeah. like the very obvious thing that has happened time and time again. And so we begin with number 10, Jonah Bolden. <laughs> yes. Who we definitely disagreed about Jonah couldn't Bolden. shoot. He was very long. He was athletic. Yeah. Uh, he was switchable. He had the makings of a three and I just, unfortunately, he shot the hardest ball in the league. He turned um, on you eventually after he, he turned on me, despite guy. I was one of his longest time supporters. I believed in him. You never did. The thing is, I will believe, and this is going to be the case of time. I believe in guys who are willing to get better. You see a package of the tools that someone has. And I go like, okay, yeah, there's definitely, these definitely they can't do these things, but a smart coach and a good development staff and good health could hopefully open the door to improvement at things. And there just hasn't been many guys that got better <laughs> no. over these 10 years. And beat is obviously the main one. Maxi is probably the other one. And then everybody else, you're kind of like, did anybody ever improve at anything in particular? Maybe a couple things here and there, but Jonah Bolden was not that. Uh, and and I, I I believed in him for a long time. I wanted playoff minutes for him. He got some. Didn't he, didn't he start or he was in the game? And didn't we just watch something that he was in the yeah, game for? Yeah, he was in a game. I don't think he started. There was some game that we watched. Yeah. He was playing playoff playoff minutes. That was bleak. So what, what, is, what are your Jonah memories? Exactly what you, you said. I, he was one of the guys that I specifically thought stunk. Yeah. Like stunk. And I remember the moment when I was sure he stunk that I was like, wait a minute, he's 24. <laughs> the, he said was, that with B-Ball Paul too. And he was, I was like, he's older than you think. Right. Yes. But I didn't not believe in B-Ball Paul. I did yeah. like B-Ball Paul. But when, when we found out how old Bolden was, I think yeah. that was the moment when I was like totally out. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Played at UCLA, then went overseas. And yeah, it was just never good. And he could handle a little bit. You the idea of like some You're talking yourself yeah, back in. I, I should have. Look, he, yeah. maybe he got if his brain wasn't as poisoned by whatever fucking develop crypto. Uh, fucking crypto stuff he's doing. Yeah. Anyway, number nine, different scenario. It's two guys. It's Ilyasova and Bellinelli. I don't know that you ever necessarily believed in them so much as I was so against them. Yeah. And against how much people 
called on them as like the saviors of every season of Sixers basketball that if only they had had these two guys who got played off the floor defensively and couldn't do much. Else. Yeah, I actually hated Bellinelli and he blocked me on Twitter. Bellinelli was like one of my least favorite players of all time for the That's Sixers. Fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I was, because I was so anti. You were very really, anti. It was really, it was really bleak. Yeah. Um, Ilyasova, when he was younger, was at least more serviceable as a defensive player. But by that point, he was pretty toast. Um, eight, a guy we mentioned before. And again, we didn't really argue with him that much, but we both hated Jaleel as a player so much that I had to include him in here just because we weren't arguing with each other so much that we were arguing that like, this was the reality. Right. Right. Like right, we right. really, cause during that draft, and this is why I didn't say it when we, when you played the clip, but like during that draft, both of us were like, they're going to, they're going to trade him like right. during on draft night, begging yeah. them to trade him anything, yeah. please God. And for them to have gone, I think Hinky made a number of missteps, but the biggest one was thinking like, we can draft Nerlens, Embiid, and Okafor <laughs> back to back to back. It's crazy when you think of it. It it was it was pretty crazy. I'm not a draft for fit guy, especially for a team winning 18, 19 games a season. But he was always bad. Yeah. He wasn't good. I maybe if Jaleel came up today, he would be shooting like six, seven threes a game and then punishing guys inside. But like he just never had it, man. He was not a good NBA basketball player. Now, there was an episode. You know what I'm going to bring up. No. When, when you said, well, this was when we started talking about trading him. Yeah. And I was like, how about for Devin Booker? <laughs> yeah. No. That was early on, though. Yeah, it was Book, very early. Because Booker went like 15 in that draft or 14. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, I mean, obviously, yes, was the answer <laughs> to that question. But... And this is why it's that, that I think is became that was a little bit of of me not having learned the like once you're drafted, the draft number that you were picked at it like goes away immediately. Doesn't matter anymore, right? And that's why I was so anti Wiseman because like people were like, well, he's the second pick in the draft. It's like you could take fucking any. You could Marvin Bagley was second pick. In the draft. These guys are bad. When they're bad, they're bad. And Okafor was bad right away. He was never the right pick. It was Hinky's biggest mistake aside from not like placating an agent here and there. And, uh, and it sucked and he was, and he was bad and also unhappy and also got into trouble. Yes. A lot of trouble. All bad, all bad yeah. stuff. Anyway, yeah, now, numbers, oh, sorry. just, just a one last thing. If he had been good, him fighting Celtics fans outside oh, that in Boston ass, yeah. would have been the most legendary thing that a Sixer player had ever done. Yeah. That would have kicked ass. Or even if he was just a role player, like Mike Scott yes. being a, like fighting with Washington fan, fighting as no, a fighting Washington fan, fans. fighting with Eagles fans was great. It was like, yeah. yes, absolutely. hundred percent. Yeah. Number, Number seven, seven, we got somebody new and current still. It's Jaden Springer. <laughs> yes, thanks. We're arguing about Jaden. Uh, I think he, he had a really, look, he had a great third game or maybe second game in Vegas. I'm trying to remember which one, but he played, played really well. The shot was going up quickly. He was making quick decisions. He wasn't like staring guys in the face and taking Evan Turner mid ranges. I like it. I, they got him out. They get. They immediately took him out of summer league. You played a good game. Like get the fuck out. Like we're making you look good. Um, so he also needs to get better as far as like shooting off the catch. I have no idea why it takes guys so much. So it it's so hard for some guys to shoot off the catch. Petrushev is another one. It's like we. You're going to need to shoot off the catch. Just do it. Just do it all the time. If you miss, it's okay. Springer needs to get better at that. Needs to get quicker at that. But I believe in guys. This is exactly a prototype guy that I believe in. Defense strong 
Athletic. Number six. Oh, I think he stinks, but whatever. Yeah. yeah. Number six. We agreed in some sense, but then you went too far. It's Danny Green. <laughs> uh, that I, like I love too much. I love Danny and he's great, but like made for, for one of the most like really bland types of players in the league. Just like he shoots threes and he plays defense and can't move his feet that well or, sw- or switch his hips that much anymore. You really became like, no, no, he's great and he doesn't make mistakes. And he still made so many dumb fucking mistakes for a veteran guy doing stuff. And also like he ran so weirdly so, yeah. and really got slow defensively and lost a step. And he's pretty much out of the league right now. I wouldn't mind if they brought him back. Had the, like if you, could tr- if you could say Montrez for Danny Green right now, I'd be like, absolutely. Um, but there's just too many slow guys on this team. Um, so we love Danny. We respect Danny. But uh, he really did get... He really he lost all feeling in his joints. I'd say for <laughs> I a lot of that time. I love Danny Green. It's five the game. Oh, Remember the game when they only had like six players and he yeah. played like fifty minutes. Yeah, he was, was taking pull ups. Yeah, he loves a pull up and he lo- he loved for a guy that really couldn't move or dribble. He was loved loving taking pull up threes in transition. Okay, five. Mark Alfalts. Mm, yes, I we I went so hard on believing that this was the perfect type of player right to put between joel and ben in that it allows ben to be more of like a you know jackknife draymond type like transition athleticism defense market like run pick and roll whatever and i just couldn't believe you got off you got off pretty quickly i did but i just couldn't believe that he just was never going to shoot again for real the same way he did for for his years of you know prep basketball and then playing a college and being the number one pick at, for, out of Washington like i just couldn't believe that that was real and i just held on to it for so long and i refused to let go <laughs> because it was so sad and uh, unfathomable there was a guy in the ricky reddit who said or i don't Applejack, oh, it's man. Applejack Cinnamon Man said, we asked for the memories. He said, it's a minor moment, but by far it's my favorite one. After Markel's first summer league game, Spike said he looked Evan Turner-ish. And that, that sort of does. And then I think eventually, eventually you were a, it's not the shoulder guy. Like we, I think yeah. we, we definitely coalesced eventually but you did hold out hope a lot longer than than i did there's still never really an explanation of what actually happened and markel might not have an explanation for what really happened he's turned himself into a very solid role player yep in a world where you can get him and other pieces for like tobias or something like he would be helpful here it would be very funny if he came back um the ricky was obviously very supportive in him and writing him a get well card yeah and then the the philadelphia fan base at large cheered like it was the you know high school manager getting a triple double well i remember when last game of the regular season i remember when he came back and i was down at spring training and i had to like leave a dinner to watch the game and podcast about you with you after when he came back to the sixers after Mm -hmm. being away for a while um i am really happy that he became a functional nba player Totally, hundred percent. But yeah. the guy that he was, he was such a good prospect. Yeah, he was such a perfect type of prospect. Imagine, like, really, Scoot Henderson ish with like a more reliable jumper. Yeah, uh, at least like an outside, like three point shot. And 
he just he's explosive he's long he is physical on defense like he was he would have been great and he just got chewed out by the sixers <laughs> machine the ancient devil that is sixers <laughs> witch magic uh number, number four, four slightly similar it's matisse oh uh, yeah um another guy just didn't get better yeah like you expect guys to get better you, you were expect, big on him at the draft. I was the so big, big on him. him. Yeah. Well, they telegraphed it. Unfortunately, they did. Elton telegraphed it, and Mark Eversley, I guess it was more Mark Eversley, that telegraphed it. He loved him so much. Um, and they traded up for him. Like Boston played him like a fiddle. Uh, I think they, they could have had Grant Williams had they not telegraphed it so much. They could have gotten both guys. Um, he just didn't get better. I love, he, I love a guy with an elite skill. And even though Matisse is not a perfect defensive player, he still has a real elite NBA skill. And all he had to do was like other stuff. I think it was unfortunate that as a young player, he was placed on a team that like did not encourage movement. Anyway, you were off that early. I have, I after year three, when he didn't improve again, not, I mean, I was searching for it, Spike. You remember like any assist that he had, I was like, there's something there's IQ happening. He's cutting a little, like he should be like, there's no reason why he wasn't Derek Jones jr. And he just like, well, he's so, he's so impactful on the defensive end and still didn't, but, but he got off early. AU after every, like there would be one game where Matisse would go two for two from three and AU would be like, he's shooting a hundred percent the last game from three and he would start yeah. to believe. Yeah. yeah. And, and by the way, there are still people like nobody's given this, the, not nobody. There are a lot of people, Sixers fans who have not given up on this guy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's, there's no reason to think that he, he couldn't like eventually become more helpful on the offensive end than he is now. But he just like hasn't gotten good. He just like looks clueless out there on the offensive end. He looks scared. And I think it's not only just like there's not that much of a difference between shooting 32% from three and shooting 37% from three. But if the defense isn't going to cover you because you're not shooting, because yeah. you're scared to shoot, then that that impacts the entire game. Um number three. Isaiah Cannon. Who <laughs> so this is sucked. He sucked. He was bad. Finally, someone that Spike believed in that I didn't, <laughs> and he just wasn't good. He was never good. He was not helpful. He do was out remember, of the league. Do you remember, though? Do you remember when he had a bad game or something, and everybody was talking about his bad plus minus for the game, and he apologized for his bad plus minus for the <laughs> yeah, game on that. Twitter? Yeah. yeah I, I love him. He pull up three guy and he hit that shot against the Warriors. And I always loved him. I love players like him. He's just, he's my type, you know, like I remember when Carson Edwards came in the draft. I think the only reason I like Carson Edwards is because he reminded me of Isaiah Cannon. Carson Edwards should have been better. And he, yeah. he was a better ball handler and, and like had really deep range and was I sturdy him. enough to handle the defensive end. I thought, but he wasn't good either. Uh, number two, got any thoughts about <laughs> this guy? <laughs> So there was a, it's there, there was a couple of people on the Reddit and by the way, it's Ben Simmons. There are a couple of people on the Reddit that said, Bon Iverson three said, my favorite moment very recently is easy. One of my favorites of all time. When Spike said, I will stop talking about Ben Simmons when I die. Yeah. Yeah. You're never going to give it up. <laughs> yeah. I, now we'll, we'll play the clip. I wasn't always not into it, but no, that's right. That's but right. I, 
but I turned like, like the ones that you're talking about that I got negative, I turned reasonably quickly on him. Yeah. And he was a source of a lot of debate. Yeah. Ben is a situation where he not only got better, he got way worse. Yeah. Not only didn't get better, he got way, way worse. Like you watch those summer league, you watch his first season, you watch LSU and like, he just stopped doing so much stuff on the court and you talk, you know, uh, Amos was talking about like the predictability, like Ben was the most predictable offensive player in the league. Like he's going to drive to kick. And if he takes like a weird offhand fadeaway, like you're fine with that. Um, and I, the only reason he's not number one is because I, I don't want him to be number one. And also because I, you know, I, I develop the reason I was pro him for at least some length of time was because I was working with him and that made it a little bit difficult to be in a precarious position. Yeah. We had to do that for a whole year. Yeah. That is, it was pretty bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, and then I'm, who is number one? Oh, is it PJ? CJ? It's Jimmy. Jimmy. I went with Jimmy because that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Because this is a real, like Ben was, I don't know. Ben to me was because he got worse. Like, it's not like a, you, you'll think that you were right. And at least now, obviously you were, but he got worse to me with Ben. And it was like, obviously now I would not believe in this guy. And I got off earlier, but like, I just, for whatever reason, maybe I'm stupid. I believe in guys improving parts of their game or at least doing more of the stuff that they're good at. And he just like stopped doing it. Jimmy is a situation where like you at the time hated him so much. And I was so high on him being like the player there, even though like I was upset that he didn't like playing for Brett, <laughs> I think probably was, was part of it, but it just felt like Jimmy is the one that has succeeded the most um, out of all those guys out of this whole list. And, and I didn't want Ben to be one. So I went with Jimmy here. Well, I didn't actually here. Speaking of which, here's when they traded for him. Welcome to the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. I am Spike Eskin along with, I don't know. I don't have anything for you. I just, Came right in the house and started recording Mike Levin. Wow. What a day. The only time that Sixers make any trades or moves, I'm driving on a very busy freeway. That's how it goes. This is how I should never drive. Otherwise, things are going to happen. It's an interesting time. Uh, can I tell you right off Wait. the bat? Okay, go ahead. The Sixers trade of Jimmy Butler. We'll talk about the trade. I did. It, it like... I kind of expected this. I don't know why I haven't talked about it, but like the Sixers have there continued reports about, oh, Sixers not interested. Sixers are not interested. Sixers continue to be not interested. And it seems like there was like maybe two or three too many of those. And I was like, they don't, they are them. They're saying that they're not interested to like, they're saying they're not interested at the current price. Maybe that Minnesota was asking it for, but it just felt it felt like I couldn't imagine him going to any other team. For like, it, it was drawing on long enough, and the Sixers seemed like a ripe place for it. So, not surprised. Uh, you are going to be more negative about the trade than I am. Well, let me let me talk about it. Jesus Christ! No, I'm doing a whole podcast by myself. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I did not want them to trade for him, 
And before they traded for him, I said, I stated repeatedly that I didn't want them to trade for him. And though he became a better player than I gave him credit for, and I think a better player than he was in Philly, my generally my, my problem was I did not believe that he was going to be like, he, he called himself a point guard when he was in Chicago. And I just didn't believe that it was going to work. And that part was right. It didn't work, but he ended up being a much better player than I thought he was. Yeah. And it turns out, unlike a guy like, you know, Harden or Kyrie or whatever, like Jimmy's intensity and orneriness and tendency to piss people off in an organization was at least in the service of winning basketball games rather than just like the vanity of wanting everything around him. Now he might also want everything around him, but at least it resulted in him like going far in the playoffs and playing his ass off. Whereas other guys, it was like, well, he was right. Like they, he was right about Minnesota. He was like right about the Chicago, the Bulls organization. And he ultimately was right about a lot of shit here. Um, and now he's fucking heat culture and it sucks. So that wraps up Mike's um, top 10 list. I want to play, we're going to have to continue this on the next pod. So Ricky classic. A, Ricky nothing, has, nothing has happened and we have more to say. <laughs> the classic off, off season, contentless 98 minute podcast right now. So, but I want to leave with a clip from our very first live show. It was October 7th, 2017 at Underground Arts. And we got TJ McConnell to come be our first guest. During, so towards the end of last year, there was, there were trade rumors about you that, uh, that a fellow named LeBron James, here you go. Give him beer. First of all. Hey, Rich, 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 come back, come back. TJ just uh, cracked a beer over his forehead and yeah. drank it like Stone Cold. Stone Cold Steve Austin. Just, right. just so you know, the guy, the TJ, guy that brought TJ you the 316 beer, over here. The guy that brought you the beer is the guy that runs this place. A huge Sixers fan, a huge TJ fan. That's Rich. A big hand for Rich. But the uh, so there were there were trade rumors about LeBron wanting wanting you to come to Cleveland. What what was that? What was that like? Yeah, to read that. Um, I mean, anytime you have the best player in the world want to want you to come play with them, it's awesome. But in the back of my mind, I'm saying I don't want to fucking go to Cleveland. I want to stay here in Philly. Ridiculous. <laughs> the beer muscles that, that, that he, he can never sign with the Cavs. You can never do it. <laughs> that clip will come back up. I'll make sure that it does. So on the next pod, uh, we'll do more of this. We have the burners. <laughs> got a whole off season to go. Yeah, we have the burners. We have uh, live from Minnesota. We have the Kawhi shot, the Embiid interview, COVID, all that. We'll get to that next time. Um, I do want to say, and it's not yeah. a Ricky anniversary unless I'm talking about my own basketball game, but I did play the best basketball game of my life two days ago. I had 32 <laughs> points. I was 32. I, I had eight threes. I was unconscious and it's never going to happen again. And if I can't brag about it on this podcast, where am I going to brag about it? Sounds it was, like a lie. It, it was unbelievable. No, I swear <laughs> to God, dude, I'll never do it again. I was on fire. Eight threes. Eight threes in a game, a league game. It was, it was wild.
Unbelievable. That was wild. Well, if you've lasted with us. I'm in my prime. Honestly, sign me. (laughs) I can coach. I can hit shots now. You're like a player coach. That happens in baseball. It used to happen in baseball. Yeah. So um, a... We will, we will do the rest of it on next pod this weekend, but I do want to say thank you. Yeah, for sure. It's really unbelievable. We've been doing this for 10 years and it has been of the things that, you know, I've done in my life. It is enormously significant and it is uh, really just because of everybody who has been with us the entire time. It's just like, it's wild. I'm honored by it and I'm really proud of it. And we joke about it a lot. And how do we do two podcasts a week? But we do them be, because we enjoy them, but also because people like like it. So I just wanted to say thank you. It it does mean a lot to me. Absolutely. Thank everybody. Thank all the contributors, the sponsors, the listeners, the chat, the yeah. CJ. Um, and now this podcast because I'm on strike, is my only income. So who would have thought when I was an assistant trying to be a writer 10 years ago, that in 10 years, we'd still be doing the podcast and I would legally not be allowed to have another job. It's this. It's just this. Part two next time. And uh, and thank you. Remember the 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 long sleeve. Some Somebody said to me, I, I want to know what you think. Is it? They said it can't be a t-shirt if it's long sleeve. Because a t-shirt is in the shape of a T. That's why it's a t-shirt. And a long sleeve is not in the shape of a T. Always trying to generate content and various tank versus billion babies arguments. <laughs> we haven't gotten to that yet. Here we go. The long sleeve is available at kineticscapebrain.com or in the notes of this pod. So is the, I haven't checked on the sales during the pod of the um, print, but there were only 250 of them and we were down to like 80 or so when we started. So uh, just go to the link in the, in the description or to go to kineticscapebrain.com. We will talk to you this weekend with part two. Are you down with TTP? Yeah, you know, like this.